More from local retailers, all starting at 50% off of retail value. Bidding is easy. Just head over to SheridanMedia.com, click on the Hot Buys banner, find the items you're looking for, and place your bids. Hurry, though. Bidding ends tonight at 8 p.m. Remember when your mom used to say, always wear clean underwear in case you get in an accident? Well, if you ignored her, and now you're getting your neck collar fitted and you have on day-old underwear, then you need the calming, health-giving stuff you can only get at the Health Nut. Aisle after aisle of the supplements you need to get better and to stay better in a healthy deli and grocery store. And no one judges you for your underwear habits. The Health Nut in Sheridan's 5th Street Mall. This is Ken here at Prime Rate Motors. We understand everybody's situation is different. Not everyone that comes to Prime Rate Motors is looking for a new vehicle. We also sell and install GR brand flatbed conversions and Krogman bale feeders. Looking for a trailer? We offer a complete line of GR, Wilson, Merritt, flatbed, stock trailers, even tandem axle enclosed cargo trailers. Stop in, let's work something out. Here at Prime Rate Motors, the Super Trailer Store, or PrimeRateMotors.com. You know, the pioneers crossed the vast wilderness in covered wagons, yet today a lot of their offspring actually have to set alarms to remind them when to drink water. If you're needing water, all you have to do is call 307 Wildcat Well Service, a local company that specializes in locating water, drilling and pumps, even solar-powered water wells. So for water wells and all that goes with them, look for 307 Wildcat Well Service in the Country Bounty, and you too will have cool, clean water. Water. Classy Cleans is Sheridan's premier family-friendly destination for fun. From beginners to lifetime bowlers, it's no secret that we have something for you. Whether open or league, jackpot or glow, for over 60 years, CPL has had all of your bowling needs covered with a full-service pro shop, coaching, and the only nonprofit youth scholarship program. As this week's Pro Football Pick'em sponsor, CPL is excited to share how we are so much more than bowling. With 11 screens, you'll have no problem catching all NFL games. And at Sheridan's UFC Fight Night headquarters, you won't ever miss any MMA action. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date. Hey hockey fans, your Sheridan Junior Hawks are back on the home ice as they begin a home and home series this weekend with the Gillette Wild. Game number one Friday night at the Whitney Rink at the M&M Center. Beat the rush and get there early. The Hawks take on the Wild. Gates open at 6.30. They drop the puck at 7.30. Admission is $10 for adults, $8 for seniors and students, and military. Kids born under are free. Be part of the excitement with your Sheridan Junior Hawks at home on Friday night as they take on the Gillette Wild. A wide variety of eight-week courses begin at Sheridan College on October 24th. There are flexible opportunities that help towards your degree or expand your knowledge in a variety of subjects. Learn how to brew your own beer or study rural poetry or study the classic rock and roll band, The Beatles. Seats are limited, so don't miss out. Call 675-0500 today to speak with an enrollment expert. For a full list of courses available, go to www.sheridan.edu. Register now. Classes begin October 24th. Sheridan College, begin your journey. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by Elias and Financial. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at Elias and Financial. Now, the Sheridan City Council has passed a resolution to place the general purpose excise tax on the ballot. This tax is nothing new, and in the past, it has paid for many projects within the city that otherwise would have gone undone. 
Joining me this morning to talk about this and all things City of Sheridan is the mayor of Sheridan, Rich Bridger, and Sheridan City Councilman Aaron Linden. Good morning, gentlemen. Good Good morning, morning, Floyd. Floyd. Now, uh, Mr. Mayor, how have you been? I've been good. How about you? I've been doing all right. How's your fall going? You know, I love fall. That's my favorite time of the year. So I, I really appreciate it. It's a little cooler, you know, and the leaves are starting to change. And I just really enjoy fall. So as long as it sticks around, I'm happy. Every morning I get up, I stand in my closet, and I ask what the weather's going to be. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, just look at my phone and say, what's the weather going to be like? And uh, every time little that little Google voice comes over, high of 60-something, I can hear my wife in the next room and boy she's happy (laughs) she is she is not someone who likes the heat i'll tell you august was just so darn hot i was just i was happy to get through it Uh, absolutely uh it it was a hot summer this year it was a hot summer and you know when the sun had hit you boy it just made the day kind of miserable right uh it's been a while since i felt heat like that outside and uh councilman linden it is always a pleasure having you in here brother <laughs> well thank you Floyd. i appreciate <laughs> that you get two days of two me, days right in of a row. i love it i love it <laughs> now uh let's talk about uh gpet um the general excise purpose tax what is gpet and how is it levied it's the optional one cent. We've they, we changed the name on it, which probably was our mistake. But it's the the traditional optional one cent that we've always been paying for literally decades, and it's levied on sales of goods. So it's a sales tax, but it's not levied on um, groceries or food or so, clothing. Or yeah, I believe yeah. Nothing is clothing on there. No, just food. Just food. Okay. Just food. Just food is not levied on the tax right so if you go to the store you aren't paying that optional one unprepared food it is yeah like you know fast food or restaurant food but any food that you're buying from the grocery store it isn't levied okay now how you said this has been going on for decades right uh so this is nothing new to the voters but every time it comes around we got to get it back on the ballot right every four years we have to approve it again the people have to approve it again and so um it's back on the ballot this year for approval or disapproval. And obviously we hope it's approved because it's a very valuable tax that we use to do a lot of good work. And speaking of that work, what has this tax paid for in the past? You know, one of the big projects that we use this for is like the rotomill overlay for um, different street projects. And we've actually, I think, allocated out almost $3 million for that. Wow. And if we didn't have that, I mean, think people complain about potholes, and there are potholes in the city, obviously. Street maintenance is a big issue, but if we didn't have that excise tax, that's $3 million of roads that would go unfunded. Yeah. Or have to be funded from somewhere else. And roads are not cheap. No, and it gets worse every year. I mean, obviously, with inflation and everything else, it's doing that road work and fixing the potholes and doing the overlays and you know it's it's uh it's a costly process but it's some of those things you have to do you know to keep your roads in good shape now some of this goes to nonprofits as well um councilman linden when the council sits down and discusses how we're going to divvy this money up how are nonprofits chosen so everybody goes through an application process. They come in and they they have to give us a certain application of what they're going to use the funds for, how they're going to be 
you know, utilized what they need them for ongoing operations, as well as a lot of times we ask for financials to see what the need is yeah. with these. And then based on that and how much we actually have, we sit down and, and allocate out accordingly to basically council's decision. Right. Now, is there anything nonprofits are not allowed to spend this on? Uh, I know in some places certain taxes or certain grants or, or certain funds cannot be used for operations uh, in the event that they don't get it next year. We don't want to have to lay a bunch of people off. Is there anything the council sits down and says, okay, you can't use these funds to pay for X, Y, or Z? You know, not really. I mean, they come in and they have their budgets and they show us kind of generally what they're planning to use that money for. Um, but it's not, we don't have set rules that say you can't use it for this or you can't use it for that. But it, there's a knowledge there that, you know, if you plan on using it for your operations, there's a good opportunity, the possibility it might not be there at some point and that you better not, that's not a good wise plan of your use of your funds. So, But you guys don't restrict that at all. No, we don't yeah. restrict no, that. No, and, and we don't want, I mean, you don't want to get the government involved in that business necessarily. You don't want that kind of oversight, I guess. You want that separate. But like the mayor said, you want to make sure that if if they are going to use it for operations, payroll, whatever, that there is a good possibility that it's a one-time yeah. ask. It's not a it. guarantee, right? You, you're going to get this. Exactly. <clears throat> now, is there a certain percentage that you sit down and decide will go to nonprofits? No, um, it generally they just come in and they make their their requests and we go from there. But we don't lay out like we're going to only spend twenty percent on nonprofits. Or I think last year we spent approximately fifteen percent. Fifty. Wow, that's actually not as much as I would have thought. Yeah, fifteen yeah. percent going to nonprofits. But then say which nonprofits, uh, if you can remember, uh, have benefited from this? Let's say within the past two years. Well, the dog and cat shelter would be one of them. Mm -hmm. um, the senior center would be one of them, the hub. Mm -hmm. um, stuff like we've given some money to uh, DSA. We've given some money to the chamber. Chamber of Commerce, yeah. Um, uh, Impact 307, we've given them some money. I mean, there's there's a list of quite a few people that we've... Second Chance Cat Rescue Second recently. Cat. Yeah, yeah, recently, that's right. You, yeah. you upped the amount out there. Correct. Well, they originally applied, and we gave them funds back this gets to be a really weird story but um they applied for a certain amount and i was like oh man that's way too much money so i cut it way back for them but it turns out it really wasn't too much money so they came back and they said we really need some money to keep going and so um just recently we approved some more funding for them so they could and actually when we approved that funding recently that actually brought them back up to what their original ask was yeah so it okay. was so it wasn't it wasn't that it was that much in addition it was actually just funding that full yeah. amount that they actually asked for that they actually needed. Yeah. And they're providing a service that we cannot. So So you could go that would be my bad on that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> a little self-admission. Now, uh the, who decides which GPEP projects get bumped up to the top of the priority list? How is that decided? Because we think about things that happen have to happen here within the city. Streets, uh, maintenance on the trucks, things like that. But 
a lot of GPET projects are things that we would like to get done. Am I correct in that? Or, or are these things that you see and you're like, this has got to be done. We just don't have it in the budget. It's a little bit of both. It is. Um, some of a, I'll use one example, uh, the Kendrick Park pool. That's part of that GPET funding that we're going to mm-hmm. be using to rebuild the Kendrick Park pool. And a lot of that was because we had a uh, survey sent out um, about amenities, those sort of things, and um, and parks. And uh, that came back really strong that people really liked that pool. They loved having that pool. They wanted to see that pool get renovated. Um, and so that kind of moved that up on the list to get that done. And that's that we're in the process of doing that right now. We're going to hopefully within the next couple of years, you'll see a, a renovated Kenrick Park pool. So we'll have a nice outdoor pool. Has that gone out to bid yet? Um, they've done the 30%. So now we're going to do the full engineering on it. Um, and then at that point, it'll go out to bid. Probably sometime next spring, yeah, I believe. What other kinds of projects do you like to use this money for? Ooh, that's a good question, and I have a list. And, <laughs> and a lot of the GPET, too, is in, in several ways matching funds. So we'll use it like uh, the fire station exhaust capture system. So Chief Harnish went out and found some money to get that done so that they're not running the trucks with the doors closed in the wintertime or whatever yep. and filling the bay with exhaust. So he found some money, so we were able to match that with some GPET funding and get a capture system so that it actually is a magnet system that hooks to the exhaust so then when they drive out, it just unhooks. Pops right off. Yeah. So that, uh, the new ladder fire truck, rotomill overlay, like I said, um, the North Sheridan Avenue intersection new windows for City Hall was a, was a matching yeah, grant. Yeah, the new windows, uh, actually it was... Um... Bev Lightning went out and she found a grant for that. So um, uh, that was one of those things where we found some additional money. We, we always look for additional money to match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So really, this GPEP money, even though we have a certain uh, amount that comes in, um, we can use that to levy even more money on top of all of it. Absolutely. Uh, and kind of stretch the dollar for as far as we can get it. How much do we usually end up pulling in a year if we were to rough rough estimation, I want to say this is would be a random guess on my part. <laughs> yeah, I think it's around ten to fourteen million. Yeah, I should have researched that. You should have told I me should before. Have. <laughs> I, I know what we allocated. We allocated out almost ten million, nine point eight. So, and I know some of it then stays in reserves, but for the most part, I think we obtained. 10 to 14 million, dependent upon the year. I'm going to go with what he said. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes to those reserves, usually by the time we get everything budgeted out, it's not like we get down to the last dollar. There's usually some change left. Right. Now, change in <laughs> when we're dealing with these amounts could be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Correct. What do we do with that? Is that thrown into a general bucket, or does that actually have like an account of its own where we can say, all right, if we need to, we can go to this backup money? We go, it's a little of both. I mean, we've been really good these last couple of years. We've actually put money away into savings. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've been pretty good stewards with that. A long time ago, there was a resolution passed that said we had to uh, save X amount of dollars, and it was as compared to what our general budget was. And so we've 
taken that to heart. And so we put some money away last year and we put some money away uh, this last fiscal year. And this, and so um, we've really worked hard at trying to be good stewards of that cash. Yeah. And so, um, but that being said, you're right. There are, there's those buckets of money out there that are still there. And um, we're aware that they're there. And if we need to pull from them, they don't necessarily go back into the general fund. They stay in that that account, whatever that account was. Mm-hmm. And then um, if we need to, we can pull from those. Kind of like the situation with uh, the cat rescue. Correct. Yes. It's there. Uh, if if we need something like that, it's we've got the money in reserves. Right. Uh, Sheridan came out a, a little bit better than a lot of cities uh, after the big COVID pandemic hit. And, and we ended up actually not making money, but we survived very well. You guys have been able to put uh, how much aside, uh, how much was able to go into savings? I believe the first round we put $800,000 away, and then I think that the city administrator said that there was another maybe 400000 yeah. that wow, we could yeah. put in there. And the, the So overall, roughly $1.2 million. <clears throat> Roughly. And the overall <clears throat> resolution that they put out years ago was that they wanted half of the annual operating budget saved just in case. And and we aren't close to that. No. Every year that, you know, your operating budget gets larger and larger. And so you never really ever keep up. It's but, a moving target. Yeah. We've kept it. We, we've kind of stay, tried to stay true to that idea that we're going to try to put some money aside. So Yeah. Now, and what is that money used for? Basically for the years when we don't, come out on top or, correct yeah or operations you know you never know about the future things could bottom out you always hope it wouldn't but you you hope that you can uh, stay afloat so to speak yeah. plan for the worst hope for the best kind of situation That's exactly yeah. right yeah and now uh just right off the top of your heads do either one of you happen to know how much we've got in savings right now as a city no, and I know I, that's I something I'm kind of throwing out there. I yeah. don't. I, I don't to, know. Try <laughs> a lifeline on that one. I'm not sure what the exact. Yeah. yeah phone, phone a friend. <laughs> phone a friend. Yeah. Karen, if you're out there, call us. <laughs> so this is so this is going to go on the ballot this year. Um, uh, it'll it'll be voted in hopefully again. It, 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 to your memory, has there ever been a year when it wasn't? Not to my knowledge. Not to mine. I mean, we've been very good stewards with that money, and I think most of the people in the community realize that it's a valuable tax, not only for um, operations, but it, it helps those those five hundred one c threes out, and um, it does a lot of good in the community. And so, people have generally been very supportive of it. And um, like it, I said, it's not a. That's the thing I keep pressing. It's not a new tax. It's just the same tax that we've been paying for years that, yeah. we're, that we're very used to paying yeah you know i mean this has gone on for three four decades potentially so and it goes to fun things that people want pathways Blacktooth park and the new restroom facility that's going to be up there i mean it's it's those things that people really like about this community it goes to fund a lot of those amenities as mm-hmm. well and Fill in those potholes that everybody hates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that, that is the bane of just about every single city, I think. Absolutely. Potholes. Uh, rough, rough to deal with. And it's and like you said, it's one of those moving targets. Every time, every time you think you got it done, another pothole shows up. Right. <laughs> All right. When we return, we're going to talk about the upcoming Main Street project. More with the city of Sheridan in just a moment. 
This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE, 103.9 FM. Shared. At Eliason Financial, money management isn't just about dollars and cents. It's about dreams and opportunities, and more importantly, family. We'll take time to get to know you. Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. They're not just there at tax time. Cloud Peak Accounting's professional staff is available year-round to help you with your business accounting, personal records, and ranch accounting, too. With their easy-to-use website, it's easy to do business with them, and they're currently accepting new clients. Don't have time to come in to meet with them? Don't worry. You can even do business with Cloud Peak Accounting from the comfort of your own home. Visit cloudpeakcpa.com. Let's talk about tires. Think about the snowy, icy roads ahead. And now think about your current worn-out tires. How safe does that make you feel? Well, lucky for you, Midas Tire and Auto has their best tire sale all year going on now. Buy three tires, get one free. That's 25% off. And the best part is if you aren't ready to put your tires on right now, Midas will hold them until you're ready. How great is that? Don't miss the big tire sale going on now. Midas Tire and Auto on East Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Fall is in the air and the savings are crisp at Shipton's Big R. With our annual October sale, here's something new. One-pound slabs of premium beef jerky. Just $21.99. Rocky Mountain Sweet Mix for Horses, our best seller. 40-pound bags, save $1.50. Gallons of RV antifreeze, just $3.79. How about a champion 2,000-watt generator? Now on sale, only $4.49.99. We are your spot for premium wood pellets. We have them by the ton. Get a $10 Shipton's Big R gift card when you purchase large bags of science diet dog or cat food. Black Rifle Coffee has arrived and just in time for cooler weather, all Timberland Pro workwear and boots, Danner boots, and Western Chief cozy slippers are on sale. Plus, great deals on Milwaukee and DeWalt tools. Our 16-page October sale flyer is in your mailbox now and available at Shipton's Big R on Sugarland Drive in Sheridan. Sheridan Orthopedic Associates continues its over 50-year tradition of surgical excellence in Northeast Wyoming and Southern Montana with the addition of Dr. Jory Wasserberger, a Wyoming native and fellowship trained at the Mayo Clinic in Orthopedic Sports Medicine. Dr. Wasserberger joins a team of highly rated surgeons providing spine, sports, hand, hip, knee, and shoulder surgery, joint replacement, and more, including emergency care 24-7, 365 days a year. Visit us at SheridanOrtho.com to learn more. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning I am with the mayor of Sheridan, Rich Bridger, and Sheridan City Councilman Aaron Linden. The scope of the Dot portion of the Main Street project will include resurfacing 0.56 miles of Main Street from Dow Street to Burkett Street. While YDOT removes old road surfaces, the city of Sheridan will replace the existing infrastructure under the roadway. Yesterday evening, 
The City of Sheridan and the Wyoming Department of Transportation held a community information meeting regarding this upcoming Main Street reconstruction project that is planned for the spring of 2023. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that you gentlemen were in the room. The mayor was in the room. I was having to attend a Sheridan Area Water Supply or SAWS meeting. Ah, yes. ah two things going so on. So he was, he was our representative. Well, yeah, the mayor. I was can't there. think of a better one, right? Uh, <laughs> no, the Wyoming Department of Transportation, they've been really good about keeping everybody updated on the progress that they're going through uh, with that project. Um, they're going to let the bid out for November and then we'll see who's going to be the general contractor for that project at that time. Um, it's going to be um, a rolling project, if you will. They're going to do like two or three blocks at a time. So try to keep as much as Main Street as open as possible. Um, that being said, even when they're doing the project on the two or three blocks, they're going to keep the sidewalks open so that the merch, you can still get your merchants and, and uh, shop at those local stores. And I think that's the important thing that I want to maintain is that even might be it might be a little bit troublesome to get down there. It might be a little bit troublesome to get to your local merchants, but I think it's very important that we as a community support our local merchants through this and uh, make sure that we continue to uh, shop with them. Basically, absolutely, especially during this time. Oh yes, uh, this is uh, one of those situations where we all kind of need to come together as a city and head on down downtown that's it absolutely do a little shopping and you know there's a lot of i guess heartburn from years past when they did this and they took the sidewalks out so the only entrance was through like the rear entrance and alleyways and things this is not going to be like that Mm -hmm. sidewalks remain open actually i had talked to sean parker at travel and tourism and we were thinking about trying to do a little campaign called walk a block you you can you can still park on the side streets you can still park on on the back streets and you can walk a block. You can walk down the sidewalks and still get to your local merchants. So, and with the rolling construction of it, it's going to be a lot more, I guess you could say, convenient um, to still get downtown and still go to the places that you want to go. And that being said, with the rolling construction and with that, we have to dig up the streets and basically we got to we're going to replace the sewer lines. We're going to replace the water lines because they've been in there since the seventies. It's going to take two years, probably. So whenever we hit that fall season where they can't do any more construction, they're going to level it all out, attach it to the old uh, the old Main Street, get through the winter, and then next summer they'll finish it up. Okay, so we're not going to be doing like a lot of work under the roadway during winter months. No, uh, we're, probably no. especially what, January, December, probably yeah, through February, huh? Yeah, they'll probably lock, you know, quit around October and then pick it up back in April, which is kind of where this is slated to start this April. Next April will be sort of when they get everything going. Now, uh, they said that the finalized details were released last night. Uh, is there anything that they released last night on Wydon's behalf that we didn't already know? No. No, it's pretty much standard. Um, they just went through the final review of everything. People had questions regarding uh, the process. And so, um, but they've been working on these plans for literally years. And so the, the final product is not much different than anything that we discussed previously. And that, uh, that work with uh, Mr. Parker over at Travel and Tourism, it, it, when do you think that could possibly come to fruition? I don't know. I need to follow back up with him. We had just kind of 
spitballed ideas, I guess, out there and, you know, filming a couple of little fun, quick commercials about walking a block and, and on and on. But I'll follow back up with them and I'll let you know yeah. what that's going to be. But one of the cool things about this Main Street project, too, is not only are we replacing some of the lines that have been down there for decades, but we're actually running water mains down both sides of Main Street so that they'll be able to support uh, sprinkler systems for second story if they wanted to turn them into residents. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, I truly believe that with that, we're going to see an insurgence of downtown second story living. And I'm excited by that because I think it will revitalize a lot of those second stories down there, third stories that we haven't seen occupied in a long time. Been used for storage. Been used right. for storage or just vacant, abandoned. Yeah. A lot of those older buildings like that had shops down below and apartments up top. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even lived in one <laughs> when I was when I was much younger. Uh, and so I think it would be great to see kind of like a revitalization of, of apartment uh, going up above you know, above some of these stores. Mm-hmm. Maybe not everyone is practical, but uh, there's enough up there. And especially during this, uh, you know, bit of a housing, I don't know if I'd call it a crisis. Would you call it a crisis? Do you guys call it a crisis on that committee? I don't really <clears throat> consider it a crisis. I mean, it's it's a crisis as in the cost of things. I yeah. Mean, we got, a, there's affordable housing crisis perhaps, but there's more than enough housing going up. It's just that that housing going up is... Um, it's a little yeah. more expensive on the on the on the spendy side. But hopefully with that, you know, you have to look at it as maybe some of the folks that were in starter homes are now af- available to afford to buy one of those maybe, you know, I don't want to call them higher end homes, but more expensive homes. A step up. That'll open up some of those more affordable homes. But the issue right now is even those more affordable homes are going for way above what you know, normal market is anywhere else. Now, Councilman Linden, you sit on a committee that is looking at like a land trust, correct? Correct. We okay. actually meet tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, tomorrow morning. Uh, I, and I, I don't want to get into like great detail on this because I know you guys are still trying to hammer out some of the kinks in this iron, but what does that look like? What, what's being discussed in that committee? You know, various ideas, I guess, and and we've talked to Jackson a lot because they actually have four different housing authorities like, yeah. over there. Um, so we're not trying to recreate the wheel. We wanna we wanna take what's kind of been done and formulate it to what our needs are. But looking into a process where maybe you are in the home, but you don't own the land. And we can then control that, you know, it it rises with the cost of inflation or cost of living adjustments, whatever, but it's not, you're in there for six months and now you can get market rate for it. Yeah. So it's an, it's a increased, a calculated increase of value to you. So you can actually, after five years, get out of there with some money in your pocket to go on to the next step of housing. But it's not going to make you rich. No. uh, No. People aren't going to like be able to take a financial uh, advantage of, of this situation. There's a, there's a, there's a inflationary cost. I mean, there's a percentage that is allowed, but it's not like, Oh, I bought this thing for X and now I'm going to be able to make twice the amount of money on it. So I can turn around and resell it. Right. So the idea is that we purchase the land 
we own the land. The land trust owns the land, which saves you, I don't know, lots are going for like 80000 100000 now. Yeah. And so that's knocked off the top of that house. So it gives you that opportunity to buy that house at a more reasonable cost. So new families can get in there. Exactly. Absolutely. And one of the most important things about this project is it will not be, <laughs> at the end, a city-owned deal. It's, it's actually going to be a different authority on its own. Right. It's going to, the housing land trust is going to be just like that. It's going to be the, it's its own land trust. We, we get it started, we participate, but in the end, it's not, it's not a government entity. We do some seed funding for it, but it is not any government housing. I just want to make that really clear because that's one of the, the connotations that we've gotten on this is, Oh, it's government housing. No, it's not. It's, it's going to be its own authority it's going to be its own controlling interest it's just the county and the city are participating to get it off the ground to basically get it started and then step back away from it they're not going to have any kind of governance over top there there's going to be uh an appointed council person that'll sit on it as a liaison but really no just more of an informational liaison than anything else correct yeah now uh, uh moving on speaking of property um we don't have a lot of time left but i do want to touch on this recently the city of sheridan purchased the pro mac building what is this building it actually just sits down the road here it was uh i think a small engine repair engine repair kind of right some building. rental stuff yeah and we purchased that for the parks department because the parks department is actually operating out of three different well four different buildings we're keeping one of them over off of frackleton and 16th or whatever for the yeah the weed past building just because you don't want the chemicals in the same building as your workers and right, on and right. on but it allow us to consolidate all those into one place so we'll have you know all of the administration there we'll be able to house the equipment there do maintenance and it's actually better centrally located in the city that they can get out to all of the places that they that they maintain. Oh, fantastic! And then the other part of that is if again Kendrick Park Pool, one of those facilities is right adjacent to Kendrick Park Pool, mm-hmm. and when we do that remodel, the plan is to uh, use that area for parking for the pool. Oh, really? So we're going to kind of absorb this into the pool, uh, so we won't be getting rid of that land. No, no, we'll be keeping that, and they'll actually stage the construction of the pool there, and then once that is completed turn that into more parking for pool use. How much did we pay for this land? Do you remember? Or this uh, building? 800. Yeah, it was a You're really asking me for... Uh, <laughs> I, I hate to throw out figures when I'm... You know, but it was a little over 800. Yeah, it was just little, over uh, yeah. Kind of a steal. Yeah, it was a it, good deal. Kind of a steal. For yeah. the building and the land, and for what we need to use it for, it was a perfect fit. And we got it. We got it yeah. at a pretty good rate. And I other, believe it ties in all our all our facilities. We have our um, we have our roads up there, streets and bridges. We have our recycling up there. We have all that city maintenance city and shop. Maintenance shop. And so then, now it's all kind of in one spot. And then the landfill. So it's it's kind of a nice city strip, I guess, all the yeah. way up that way. Yeah, that's actually a fantastic plan. And Everything just kind said, of fell it, into place on this. Yeah, one. and it's a great building. I mean, it's it's ideal for our use. Are there any improvements going to have to be made to this at all? They're going to do some remodeling just because they're going to need some additional office spacing and things like that, that that they don't currently have. But nothing, according to Parks uh, Department head, 
He said it's it's going to be fairly minimal what they have to do to it. Good. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. We'll probably leave the weed and mosquito or weed and pest chemicals down at that one facility, but then they'll come up and be part of that. Basically group. have their office up here right. and, and just use that for storage down below. Right. Correct. All right. Well, Mr. Mayor, Councilman, thank you both for coming in this morning, taking some time with us and keeping us informed on what's going on in the city. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you, Floyd. Well, it was fun. Thanks, Floyd. <laughs> All right. When we return, we're going to speak with artist Mike Taveras. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. At Eliason Financial, money management isn't just about dollars and cents. It's about dreams and opportunities, and more importantly, family. We'll take time to get to know you. Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., Member FINRA, SIPC. Hi, this is Patrick from Harker Mellinger. Our advisory services are designed for entrepreneurs and small business owners so you can focus on your business. Our relationship is customized for what you want and need to ensure your business is as efficient as it should be. We will evaluate your business and provide solutions you will benefit from. We will coach you through each step of the process from start to finish. Contact us today, Parker Mellinger, focusing on where you're going, not where you've been. The owners and staff at Kane's Funeral Home would like to thank the families of Sheridan and Johnson Counties for choosing Kane's and allowing them to serve you during these hard times. Kane Funeral Home makes it their mission to take the stress and uncertainty out of ceremonial services. They own and operate the only crematory in Sheridan County, so your loved one is always in their care. Kane's Funeral Home. Call 673-5837 or visit them online at canefuneral.com. Wyoming Corporate Office is the trusted business choice behind thousands of businesses. Whether it's business formation, payroll, corporate paperwork, mail scanning service, or small business phone service, Wyoming Corporate Office powers over 100,000 businesses worldwide and locally. This makes Wyoming Corporate Office the state's largest business-to-business service provider located right here in Sheridan, Wyoming. If you're drowning in corporate paperwork looking for someone with an unmatched experience that cares and wants to be your partner in making your business successful, trust that Wyoming Corporate Office can help you focus on what makes your business tick. Learn more today by visiting wyomingcorporateoffice.com. Wow, isn't it beautiful? How can you not love this time of year? Yes, fall is here. Kids are back in school. Sports are underway. The mornings and evenings are cool, and the leaves are starting to change in all those beautiful colors. You know what else is great about fall? It's an awesome time to buy or sell real estate. Hi, this is Jill Bates. So if you're thinking about listing your home or looking to buy, give us a call. The best team works hard for you in all the seasons. Call us today at 675-BEST. That's 675-BEST. Or find us online at bestwy.net. Make it a great day. Hi, this is Dan Marshall at Captain Clean, and we offer free HVAC cleaning estimates. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, 25 to 40 percent of the energy used for heating or cooling a home is wasted. Contaminants in your HVAC system cause it to work harder and shorten the life of your system. Call for your free estimate and start saving money today by making your system more cost effective and reducing how hard it has to work to maintain your home's temperature. Captain Clean, 672-0726. Affordable choices for healthy living.
Good morning. Welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at Elias and Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by pottery artist Mike Taveras. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Now, uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from uh, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, where I was born and raised. Uh, my parents um, were immigrants. They moved here in the late 80s. Where did um, they immigrate from? Uh, Cape Verde Islands. I have no idea where that's at, Mike. Yep. Just just off the west coast of Africa, there are ten little islands. And oh some wow! Maps is there, some not, not maps. It's not, but um, yeah. What brought them over? Um, the opportunity. The American uh, dream. Right. Exactly. So my grandfather wanted a better opportunity for his daughters, and so uh, he came up with his three daughters first. Later, would bring his other son and his other son. He had many kids, but um, yeah, and then soon my dad would follow after. Rhode Island. Yeah. That is a state I've never been to. What was it like growing up in Rhode Island? Rhode Island is, we call it the bucket because it's like everyone's in this bucket. <laughs> you know, if you're out in public, you're going to see someone you know because it's so small. Um, it was a nice place to grow up. Uh, I got to enjoy it a little bit more as I got older and got to kind of explore the state a little bit more. It can be beautiful. Yeah. But uh, definitely was in a bubble growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what brought you all the way out here to Wyoming? So I'll have to bring you through the steps. Um, after graduating high school, I went to Syracuse University, uh, and there I was art undecided. I knew I wanted to make art to some capacity, but just didn't know what form. I knew it would be three-dimensional. I took my first pottery class 2015 fall, fall semester year or spring, and uh, I fell in love with it. And there my professor, Peter B. Secker, and there was a grad student called Pete Smith who would kind of take me under their wing. And... Um, I've just been in love with it ever since. What and was it about pottery? Or w w what, what is it just about the 3D aspect of art that really ignites your passion? I think I think in three-dimensional spaces. Um, I think in, in, in that way. And it, so it became really easy to kind of uh, talk ideas through clay. And with ceramics specifically, it's not only the art form, but all the other things that come with it. And so it's mixing the clays, it's making the glazes, you know, you have all these different ways that you can talk about an idea and they all lead up to that product. And so when I wasn't, you know, spending all night making in the studio, uh, I could look through a book and find different glaze recipes and test different glazes or find different clay recipes and uh, make, make those different clay bodies. Um, like you can also fire in a ton of different ways as well. And so I love the different avenues that I can tuck into uh, that sort of itch my brain and uh, keep me interested in the in the art form. And see, that's amazing. You know, as a, as a layman, uh, I I think I spun a a little pot once in my life, and I don't think about things like glaze mm -hmm. being part of the entire experience of right. creation. Um, but it really it really is. I mean. When you walk in and you look at a pot or something like that, that's really what pops you at first, isn't it? Maybe the texture a little bit afterwards. Right. Or maybe even it's a combination of the two. So you make your own clays. You make your own glazes. Right. I prefer to. Some people buy it commercially, um, and that's perfectly fine as well. Um, I like to get more, a little more specific, and I'm just into that kind of stuff. And so it feeds a part of me. Absolutely. And, and you know, I know this is always hard because I'm sure you've probably made what hundreds of pieces yeah uh and and so when you came out here 
what was it about Wyoming where you were like, you know what, this is where this is where I want to post my flag? Well, my flag isn't posted here, but <laughs> so uh, a year and a half ago, I started an apprenticeship with wood fire potter Simon Levin. Um, Simon's been wood firing for years and years, and he's sort of one of the go-to guys uh, for wood firing. And Simon runs a thing called Clay Cohorts, where you can take, he'll basically act as a mentor for you for a year, um, and he'll critique your work, he'll walk you through it, um, whatever kind of professional artistic development you're looking for. And Stefan Mullins, uh, who owns Red Bison Studios, was a Clay Cohort of his, and, was, and Stefan was interested in having a wood kiln here in Sheridan. Um, he got a, he had a chance to go fire Simon's wood kiln in Pawnee, Illinois, I think maybe a year ago or so. And um, since he's just been on this mission to get a wood kiln here. And so he got Simon and I to build a wood kiln for him. And we built this wood kiln virtually on Google SketchUp first. And wow. we screenshotted it layer per layer. So we basically had like a blueprint of the kiln. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it's a really nice skill to have now because now I can build kilns virtually and I understand how much brick I'm going to need, what kind of brick I'm going to need. Um, and it's a really great, it's really great, great way to wrap your head around kiln building before you actually get on the site. And so in May, we came up and we spent two weeks. We had a really great crew that came out to help and we built it. That's amazing. Now, now, what's a typical kiln and what does a typical kiln do for pottery? There are so many variations and forms of kilns. Um, people build kilns underground. People build kilns out of brick. People build kilns out of clay. I mean, you can, you know, if you could heat it up, you know. It could be a have, kiln. Right, you could have a kiln. Uh, and so the, the kiln that we built specifically is made of a very refractory brick. It means it melts at extremely high temperature. Um, and there's two types of brick that we used. Hard brick, which is great uh, for the interior of the kiln because it can be so volatile with all that melting ash and salts. And then we have insulating brick, which is soft brick. Um, and that does a really great job with holding the heat. Um, and so, yeah, we, you know, you'll have to cut some bricks to make them fit and we have spy holes as well so that we can look into the kiln and understand where it's at in terms of temperature and where the clay is getting mature the glaze is starting to flux wow that can you do that by eye mike no i cannot no uh, back in the olden days they'd be able to do that but now we have uh, pyrometric cones and these cones are made of the same material as the clay and the glaze and they melt at a very particular point and it lets you know where we're at in the firing and whether we're even because, you know, it may be hotter up front and cooler in the back. And so while oh. you're firing this kiln, you're trying to get things even and you're trying to get it to uh, a certain temperature. Now, have you seen some of your work come out? And I'm, I'm sure, you know, every artist, you're going through a lot of, uh, especially like with you, you're sitting down, you're trying a new clay, you're trying a new glaze. And, and sometimes it just doesn't work or, or the temperature is wrong. Have you pulled some of your own stuff out and been like, and, and by looking at it, you're like, oh, it's too cool in the back or, or and maybe even a happy mistake. Uh, it, what's that like? Well, it, it's all kind of part of the process. And I think there are always little treasures in there. You know, you, whether you tried a new clay body or tried a new glaze, it's like, oh, that came out really nice. I know I know what, what I could do with that. And it springboards a new idea and you fall into something new. Um, typically we just try our best to stay at it until we get to that temperature. There may be cold spots in the kiln. If anything, uh, we do this thing called reduction 
And reduction is when you have more fuel in the kiln than there is oxygen. And what that does is it starts to pull the oxides out of the clay body itself, and it creates a more a richer clay body surface. And so typically when a wood kiln, you know, when it gets pretty bland, it's because someone probably skipped body reduction. And that's about at cone 08. Wow. We want to do that. And so but during this firing, I let them know if we hit cone 08, I don't care if I just left this kiln after 16 hours, call me to make sure we do body reduction. Yeah. Now tell me about the kiln and where's it at now? So it is on uh, the university campus in Sheridan. Um, I don't know exactly where. It's nearby, like, the cow barns and the, and the horse barns. Um, yeah. How long did it take to, to get it from construction to finish? So we had Stefan lay the pad earlier because we need a flat surface. So we had a concrete pad laid. We came out. We built it. You want to have a little bit of time between firing and when you laid the pad because that pad could break oh, uh, wow, with yeah. all that heat on top of it. Like, we're, we're talking about, like, 2,300 degrees. Wow. And that, you know, that heat will move through the concrete and crack it. Then um, you have to get, you know, do it over with. I've heard horror stories where someone fired a kiln too soon and you just heard a poof. And basically all the brick that was laying on the, on the ground just got popped up because of the moisture in the cement. That's amazing. Yeah. So we finished it in May and uh, we started firing it. I mean, I think we're at hour like 86 now, 84 or something. Now... Students are going to be able to take advantage of this mm -hmm. when they go out there. I've only got about a minute and a half left, Mike, but I want you to tell people what wood firing does for your pottery. Wood fire. So when you're putting wood in this kiln, the wood is burning and the ash and the flame is traveling through the kiln and it deposits on the pots. And when your wood, like you have a wood stove, that ash, you can turn that into a glaze. You wow. just mix that half and half with like maybe like a red uh, clay body and it'll melt. Um, but I think what's more powerful about wood fire is what it does for the community. Wood fire is incredible for the community because you have to have people come together to fire this thing. You need someone there 24-7 in order to climb in temperature and get to a peak temperature. So when I talk about what it looks like, you know, when there's a group of people and we're about to start firing... I tell them it's like pushing up a big boulder up a hill and we're doing it together. And then when we get to that peak, we just get to watch that thing roll down and it's a beautiful experience. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Mike, I want to thank you for coming in and teaching me so much about pottery. Uh, we had a short time together, but I learned so much. I never realized like the, the absolute science yeah. that's behind this creativity. And that's great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right, folks, you've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. At Eliason Financial, money management isn't just about dollars and cents. It's about dreams and opportunities, and more importantly, family. We'll take time to get to know you. Then we'll develop a unique wealth management plan that works hard, just like you. To learn more about who we are and what our wealth management advisors can do for you, visit Eliason Financial online or call 307-672-3010. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Branded with quality.
Fall is in the air and the savings are crisp at Shipton's Big R. With our annual October sale, here's something new. One pound slabs of premium beef jerky. Just $21.99. Rocky Mountain Sweet Mix for Horses, our best seller. 40-pound bags, save $1.50. Gallons of RV antifreeze, just $3.79. How about a champion 2001 generator? Now on sale, only $4.49.99. We are your spot for premium wood pellets. We have them by the ton. Get a $10 Shipton's Big R gift card when you purchase large bags of science diet dog or cat food black rifle coffee has arrived and just in time for cooler weather all timberland pro workwear and boots danner boots and western chief cozy slippers are on sale plus great deals on milwaukee and dewalt tools our 16 page october sale flyer is in your mailbox now and available at shipton's big r on sugarland drive in sheridan I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. I have some exciting news. Oh, tell me what. Sheridan Honda has new cars on the lot. Are they all-wheel drive? Of course they are. We have four models with real-time all-wheel drive. The CRV and HRV have Honda's intelligent control system, which is great in inclement weather or rough terrain. And if you're wanting something a little bit more rugged, the Passport and Pilot have intelligent traction management with snow, sand, and mud mode. Those are great options. Visit Sheridan Honda to pre-order or drive home in your new Honda today. Moss Holders Design Center is here to help you create a space that you'll love. If you're relocating, remodeling, or just refreshing your home, Moss Holders' talented design team can help you through the process. With free in-home consultations, Moss Holders will be able to find the furniture and finishing touches that work best with your space, your lifestyle, and your budget. So if you want to change the look of just one room or furnish an entire home, Moss Holders designers can get it done. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. Fall is here. Hi, Kurt Smith here for the Sheridan Commercial Company. You can't go wrong when you turn to the Sheridan Commercial Company for helpful supplies for fall projects like weather stripping, caulking, insulating, heat tape, finishing up any exterior painting and staining projects. Make sure to check all of your smoke and carbon monoxide detectors as well as checking your fire extinguishers. We're your locally owned hardware store and have been since 1892. The Sheridan Commercial Company at 303 Broadway. Open seven days a week. From the Wyoming Corporate Office Studio on 103.9 FM and News Talk 930. K-R-O-B, Sheridan.